This podcast is brought to you by CEW Plus at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor as we work to serve our community during this unprecedented time of change. Resiliency is best demonstrated in times of challenges. Join CEW Plus Director Tiffany Mara as she talks to students, staff, faculty, and community members connected to the University of Michigan's Center for the Education of Women Plus in our podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. Today's podcast features Sonja Feast-Price, the Provost and Vice Chancellor for Academic Affairs at the University of Michigan at Flint. Dr. Feast-Price came to U of M Flint from the University of Kentucky, where she served as the Vice President for Institutional Diversity. Her professional tenure includes roles as a professor in the Department of Early Childhood, Special Education, and Counselor Education at the University of Kentucky, and a visiting professor at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Feast-Price, welcome to the Strength in the Midst of Change podcast. Can you please introduce yourself and your core responsibilities as the Provost and Vice Chancellor for Academic Affairs? Yes, so good morning, and thank you so much for this invaluable opportunity to share a little bit about who I am, my passion, my purpose, and my invaluable work at the University of Michigan Flint. So I am proud to serve in the role as Provost at UM Flint where I have the enormous opportunity and privilege to work with deans and other academic leaders to set the direction of the academic affairs at UM Flint. So I work in tandem with them on establishing new degree programs, encouraging faculty research, and launching new multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary transformative initiatives and programs. So, for instance, since my arrival in August, I am proud that we are able to create our new Urban Institute for Racial, Economic, and Environmental Justice. And this is an idea that was in the making for over 10 years, and it needed a little bit more work with colleagues that are committed to and passionate about the work of racial economic and environmental justice, and today we have brought forth this wonderful institute where not only do we work with disciplines throughout our campus community, but also with community stakeholders, because that is an important part of the work that we do at UN Flint. I will also say that there are many responsibilities, but at the very core of all the work that I do is our students. I am very student-centric. In many ways, I think back to the days that I was a student and the ways in which people poured into my growth and my development. And so student success is a priority and it is our purpose. And every decision that I make here at UM Flint, it's always with the best interest of our students in mind. Yeah. Uh, Recently, I heard you speak about passion and purpose. How have passion and purpose guided you throughout your career? I live by passion and purpose, and I'm a voracious reader. It's where I find comfort and inspiration. So it's not unlike me for me to spend my evenings or weekends wrapped up in like a comfortable, soft blanket where I engage in a lot of reading. And a classic book for me that I turn to time and time again is The Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren. 
And each time I read the book, there are always nuggets of information that I draw upon and I reevaluate and I think very deeply and critically about who I am, whose I am, my purpose, and I think deeply about the ways in which my passion brings to bear or brings to fruition my purpose. And so passion and purpose, they're organic to all of us. And as we grow and we learn and we change, so does our passion and our purpose. But even if we shift our ideals at the very root of who we are, our passion and our purpose remain the same. So when I think of Rick Warren, he said, your beliefs, your behaviors are who you become and what you become. And so I look at student success as ways in which I guide my passion and my purpose. And that goes back from my intrinsic values. And it's born out of my experiences of being a first-generation college student. And so with everything that I do, you know, my passion and purpose are paramount. And it's helping students to realize their potential so that they can achieve academic success. Because I realize that that academic success that a student achieves it not only benefits them, it benefits their families, and it benefits future generations. So at the end of the day, I work diligently to remove all barriers that impede academic success and create opportunities to increase the likelihood that our students succeed, achieve degrees, and do wonderful work to engage and support their communities as well as their families. And I will just say, in doing this work, I believe in creating relationships that allow people to stay connected with the university for many years to come. And also that generationally, they recognize that UM Flint is the place where they want their sons and their daughters, their nieces and nephews, and friends and family to come and pursue a degree as well. I'm very excited for Flint because of your long record of creating change in higher education. What has been your approach to creating change? Yeah, well, I recognize change is very important, and I know change is not always easy, but it is necessary. And, you know, I'm often reminded by the words of James Baldwin, who says, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And so I recognize that it is important that we look at all kinds of issues and things that are happening around us, and that when we recognize those issues that sometimes trip us up, that sometimes limit our ability to make the forward movement that we need to make, that we take a very close and hard look at some of the places that require our change. And, you know, like I said, change isn't easy, but we know that it's necessary. And I have often found that even in change, and difficult change, some of the best and most rewarding growth occurs. And I even think about the pandemic. You know, I know the pandemic has been extremely difficult for families and for communities. If not all of us, most of us have experienced loss as a result of 
the COVID pandemic. But I also recognize some beneficial changes that have taken place. So, you know, the ways in which families are drawing closer together, spending more quality time, more family time. And so even in the midst of difficult change, I have always conditioned myself to see the benefits, to find the opportunities, and to recognize the blessings that change bring to us. And when I think of change, the two key ingredients that come to mind for me are both convening and listening. So in order for us to build consensus or at least bring about compromise, we have to bring people together. We have to listen. We have to find common ground and find ways in which we can have a win-win situation. And sometimes it also means that we have to set aside some of our own wants and compromise so that both sides can get what they need and so that we can meet in the middle. And so, you know, that's the way in which I've been wired, you know, convening, listening, communicating, and finding common ground so that we can move forward together. And I think it's especially important in higher education. Yeah, yeah you've had a long, successful career in higher education. Where are we headed? Well, very good question. We know that the pandemic has forever changed higher ed. I've read articles in higher ed that talked about some of the changes that we were anticipating in the next five to 10 years or even 15 years because of the COVID pandemic. You know, some of the things that we were looking forward to far into the future has come to light at present. And so we know that campuses throughout the country are looking at critical ways in which we have to bring about some of the changes because we are not who we were prior to COVID and we will never be the university or universities that we were prior to the COVID pandemic. And I think the pandemic has brought about a new normal in higher education and it's causing us to rethink and reevaluate everything from our workspaces and who has to come to campus, and also looking at ways in which we can enhance our online educational offerings. So we have schools that are also dropping ACT and SAT requirements and looking at more holistic ways of admitting students. So higher education is really at that moment where we need to listen more closely and carefully and we have to face some of the real challenges that our students are presented with. And one of those challenges has to do with debt. That's a real issue. And so, you know, students are looking at ways that they can get certificates and stackable credentials. And sometimes they're delaying coming to college for a four-year degree. And so we really have to be more competitive because industry is evolving at a very fast pace. And so here in the ivory tower, we too must be more nimble and we have to make decisions more quickly and we have to be more responsive to the needs of our students as well as to the needs of industry. So uh, we have to be more agile. We have to be more flexible and we have to not only think about the information we want to disseminate to our learners, 
we have to take into consideration what our learners are wanting and what business and industry, what they're demanding of us. Mm -hmm. You know, in the middle of this very taxing year between the pandemic and social unrest and the election cycle, I mean, all of us are trying to find ways to manage our care. In the middle of it, you also switched jobs and moved your family and are starting a new position. What have you been your personal approaches to self-care and stress reduction? Yeah, well, I know that self-care is important. Taking care of not only your physical health, but your mental and emotional health is very important as well. I value walking. I used to be a runner, but I can't run anymore. But I love walking, and so exercising is very cathartic for me. I love reading. I learn so much from reading. I find that I'm able to live vicariously through others, and I learn from the experiences of others. And so reading is something that is very, very important to me. I love music. Music has a way of taking me to different places and spaces in mind and travel through music. And I, I enjoy listening to different kinds of music from all over the world. So whether it's music from South Africa to Brazil to Ethiopia, as well as the different kinds of music that we have in this country. So I love music. I'm from Southwest Louisiana, where we have Zodico music, so I love listening to Zodico music, and I like to get up and dance, and my daughters sometimes tease me and say I'm not as good of a dancer as I think I am, <laughs> but it's all about movement and just letting the music and the rhythm take me in different places and moving my body in different ways that gets me excited, and so I will say walking or exercising, reading, music of all sorts, dancing. And I love people. I'm a lover of people. So I love talking to people. I never meet a stranger because I will just say, as it relates to taking care of oneself, self-care, whenever I'm on the airplane and I look at this flight attendant who always says, in case of an emergency, and if the oxygen mask drops from overhead, adjust the mask on yourself before attending to the person next to you. And that's why I think self-care is so important because we cannot tend to the needs of those in which we serve unless we take care of ourselves. So it's from that place that I try and make self-care and stress reduction a, a very important part of my daily life experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned how your daughter comments on your dancing. I love to sing, especially to really campy musical songs, like Sound of Music, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. My son will often say, Mommy, stop. You know, you're hurting my ears. But then he joins in and it's completely fun. I know like my own family has been a critical support system to me over the past, you know, year. What does your support system look like? And have you managed to balance work-life balance? Yeah, I will say that I am a type A person. So work-life balance is always something that I have to work to achieve. I have a wonderful husband who is very supportive. I will say I sometimes coin him as the wind beneath my wings because he has a way of being very supportive. 
giving me what I need when I need it, being the shoulder I can lean on. He's the greatest cheerleader any person can ever have. So I have to recognize my husband, my father, although he's approaching 89, he is still a very strong, supportive force in my life. I have two beautiful daughters, ages 21 and 23, and we talk daily about all kinds of things. And so they're very supportive, encouraging, and they always know how to keep it real. And I appreciate that they help me to see my blind spots at times. But I will also say that I am a woman of faith. And because I am a woman of faith, it keeps me grounded. And so whether I am on a high, on a low, or in between, I always remember who I am and whose I am. And it helps me to also recognize my purpose in life. And so as a woman of faith and a woman with a very strong family, and I have some very, very dear friends that I have had through the years, it keeps me balanced and it keeps me grounded. And they also keep me happy and remind me about what's most important in life. Now you're six months into the job, if I'm counting correctly. What are your hopes for the next six months? Well, my hope is that our campus community can begin to reemerge as the vaccine distribution ramps up and the pandemic turns a corner. You know, I look forward to the day when I can shake the hands of students, meet parents of prospective students, get to meet some of our faculty and staff in person. I look forward to meeting more community stakeholders and sit around the table with them and break bread with them and listen to their thoughts and their ideas and, you know, work more closely with community stakeholders as well as other universities throughout the state of Michigan and beyond. So I look forward to just having these opportunities to engage in more personable ways with our students, our faculty, our staff, our community stakeholders, our university partners, and yeah, just recognize some of the ways in which we can share and some of the struggles and heartaches that are consistent with all of higher ed. And I'm also looking forward to the launching of our new College of Innovation and Technology this fall. We have hired a new dean for our College of Innovation and Technology, Dean Chris Pearson, who is moving forward with urgency and excitement. We're now looking to hire a new dean of our School of Education and Human Services. We recently hired a new dean for our School of Nursing, Dr. Cynthia McKeeran. And so there's a lot that I'm looking forward to. And I will say, you know, I'm still new here at UM Flint, but I am still basking in the aura of being not only at UM Flint, but in Flint itself, because for many, many years, I've had an affinity toward the Flint community and also UM Flint because it is situated in the community and I recognize all the excellence that exists within UM Flint. So I'm excited to be here and 
I'm excited to experience you and Flint in new and exciting ways in the coming months once we're post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my experience with Flint has been remarkable just watching them build up the online education program before the other two campuses, as well as how they've been so situated in the community, as you mentioned, for many, many years, which is so important to the community as well as to the campus. As a final question here, with all that's currently going on, what's one thing you wish you could tell Flint students? I would want our students to know how important they are, how much we value them, and how much we want to empower them to be the transformative agents within their communities, within the state, within the region. They are our next generation of leaders. And so I would just want them to know how important they are, how much I value the opportunity to positively impact their educational journey, And I want them to know that I value hearing from them. I want to listen to them and empower them and encourage them. And I would also want them to know that the relationship that we strive to create with our students, it is a lifelong relationship such that once they graduate, they want to forever be connected with us. They want to come back for their subsequent degrees or certificates at UM Flint, that they would want to send their sons and daughters and nieces and nephews to the university. And also when financial resources are available, they would like to give back to support the educational experiences of other students. So that's what I would want our students to know. Yeah, Dr. Fees-Price, I am so grateful for your time and for your words of encouragement and wonderful thoughts and uh, motivation that you provided today. Thank you for being a part of this podcast, and I hope you will see myself and CEW as allies as you know, yep. we both try and work with students in the best possible ways to help them through this period. Absolutely. Well, thank you for this opportunity, and I know that the work that all of us are striving to achieve can only happen through partnership and relationship. And I value the relationship that I am creating with all of you. Thank you for listening to CEW's podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. To learn more about this episode or the services and virtual programming offered by CEW+, please visit cew.umich.edu. Here at CEW+, we navigate circumstantial barriers by providing academic, financial, and professional support to help you reach your personal potential. Established to support women through higher education, we lift up women and all underserved communities at the University of Michigan and beyond. Through career and education counseling, funding, workshops, events, and a diverse, welcoming community, we exist to empower. We are CEW+, and we are here to help you reach your potential. The University of Michigan resides on the traditional territories of the three fires peoples, the Ojibwa, Adawa, and Potawatomi. Thank you.